Well, it's good to be here. Uh, you know, the songs we just heard, uh, you ask me why I'm happy? Well, it's because my sins are gone. And joy in serving Jesus. My pastor often says when we sing songs like that, he says, uh, are you happy? Are you joyful? He said, well, inform your face. <laughs> Oftentimes we sing those songs and we sing it with a sour look, and that doesn't help much. You know, one thing about having to wear a mask everywhere, I don't know if you notice this or not, it takes away one of the most wonderful things that you can give somebody, and that's your smile. It really is. And uh, I've, I've heard people that they say, well, I just squint now. <laughs> that doesn't really do it. I'm sorry, but you can't really see a, can't really see a smile and a squint. But uh, there is something about a smile that's important. So smile. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. Turn to Luke chapter 11, if you would, please. Luke chapter 11. It is a, a, an honor and a joy to be able to speak with you this morning, and uh, I, always, I always love coming up here to uh, Falls. It's always good to get away from the hustle and bustle of Florida, but whenever I get up here, it's just the hustle and bustle of Wisconsin. It doesn't seem to stop. It's just so fast-moving, fast-paced, and I thought I'm busy down here, and then I come up here, but anyway, uh, it is good to be here. I, I do kind of consider Falls Baptist to be my second church home, I guess you could say, because I'm always here. It seems like I'm here awful lot, but I do appreciate the friendship and the, um, just a lot of people that I know here that uh, have been a blessing and a help to me. appreciate Pastor Van Geldren that came down for our missions conference a couple years ago. We kicked off Faith Promise, and it's going really well. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, we had Edgar Figali here this year for our missions conference. It was fantastic, just phenomenal. And he did a wonderful job, and uh, he was just a blessing. Ever get him up here, he's wonderful to hear. But anyway... Luke chapter 11, we'll talk about an important subject this morning. I just want to look at two verses today. Luke chapter 11, verse number 9 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. These uh, verses here have been an incredible encouragement to me been a blessing to my heart, but there's something important I want to talk about this morning. Before we do, let's pray together. Lord, I do ask for your help, and Lord, I, I definitely need you this morning. I am inadequate in and of myself. Lord, there's nothing I can say that would be a help this morning, but Lord, uh, definitely the things that you say in your word and through your spirit uh, can have an impact, and I pray that you do that this morning. Lord, give me clarity of thought and mind, wisdom, and help as I discuss this important, uh, very vital topic this morning for each one, of the, each one of us that's here today. Lord, I just pray that you'd use this in their lives as much as you've used it in mine. I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, words are important. If I say, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appear, uh, appearing of a great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, you'd have a problem with that verse, wouldn't you? The reason is because I changed one word. And what was that word? The. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I put a uh, in there. Well, if you put a uh, in there, it changes the whole meaning of the verse. It changes who God is, who Jesus Christ is. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. That little word, both, is important. You take both out, you say, you have witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost part of the earth. 
Both literally means at the same time, both at the same time. So in other words, the whole verse means I need to be a witness all over the world all at the same time. Well, obviously it's impossible for people to do that, but a church can. And when you put that into context, you see how important the little word both is in that verse. There's lots of other examples I could give you, but in this passage of Scripture, there's one word that I think is really, really important. Really important. You will see down here that there are three commands that God gives us. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, if you'll notice, the result in both verses is the same for the seek and the knock. So it says, seek and ye shall find. And then it says, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. In the second verse, it says, he that seeketh findeth. And then it says, he that knocketh, it shall be open. But the ask result is different. The first verse, it says, ask, and it shall be given unto you. The second verse, it says, for everyone that asketh, what's the next word? Receiveth. Now you say, why is that such a big deal? Well, because the two words mean something totally different. Okay, if I say, ask, and it shall be given unto you, and then it says, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. Well, there's a difference between those two words. Giving is this, receiving is this. And I think we have totally missed this verse, this word, I believe, in our prayer lives. You know, we often say that there are three different answers that we can have to prayer. We have yes, we have no, and wait, or maybe. Well, you know, I think we as Christians here in the United States of America and in the 21st century have relied a whole lot more on the no and the wait than we have on the yes. And we look more for no's and waits than we do for yeses. I'm here to tell you this morning, the yes answer is far more available according to the Bible than the no and the wait. And I can receive answers to prayer. I can receive them a whole lot more than we do today. But I'm afraid we've just become content to say, you know what, Lord, if it's your will, go ahead and do it. We know we can, by faith, say, you know what, God, we're asking, you're giving, and I'm receiving. I'm taking that answer by faith. Now, we're going to talk about that this morning for just a few minutes here. But, you know, there are some reasons why we wouldn't have prayers answered. Did you know that? Oftentimes we go and pray and we ask the Lord for something and then nothing happens. Well, oftentimes there's something between us and the Lord. Oftentimes that's the case. Well, there's lots of different reasons for that. There's sin. Uh, perhaps there is uh, a relationship issue with somebody that you need to get correct. Uh, there are times when we ask amiss, the Bible says. Uh, the Bible also talks about our prayers being hindered because there's a problem between us and a spouse. Um, there's unbelief. I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. There's three reasons why people don't see prayers answered. I think often, often we don't see answers to prayer because we don't ask enough. Uh, now, I'm not saying, I'm not condoning a meritorious type praying where the Lord's going to have to do this if I ask 10 times for something. 
That's not it at all, because what will happen then is we will depend on the ten times instead of the Lord, which is wrong. That's asking amiss, obviously, and that is obviously unbelief. You know, I think another reason why we can't see our prayers answered is because we're not saved. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask him? God the Father is not obligated to answer anybody's prayers if they're not one of his children. So a lack of salvation, I think, is a reason why prayers aren't answered. But, you know, I do think there's one other reason why we, can't answer, we, we, don't, we don't see God answer prayer, and that's because we never receive them. We never receive it by faith. So let's talk about this matter of receiving this morning. I think this word is so, so important. It's the Greek word, all of you guys, I am, you are probably smarter about Greek than I am. In fact, I know you are, okay? Uh, but this is one of those basic Greek words. Receive here is the word lambano. And it literally means to take, to take. That's what it is. Okay, so keep that in mind as we look at this. It's a simple taking by faith or an appropriation of what God offers. There are several categories of things that I find, I've found in the New Testament where we can take this uh, idea of receiving by faith and apply it perhaps as a way of understanding what I'm talking about here. Okay, The first one, the word receive is used in the matter of salvation. Did you know that? John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That word receive there is, guess what? Lombano. It's the same word. So I take Jesus Christ as my Savior. You think about the matter of a gift. That's what salvation is. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I receive that gift by faith. Okay, well, I'm taking it. Okay, the point is God offers it to everybody, but it's not theirs until they take it, until they receive it. Acts chapter 10, verse 43, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So when we get saved, we receive, we take the gift of eternal life. So I'm trusting Jesus Christ, and as I do, I'm receiving him. John 17, 3, the gift is obviously offered to everybody that will take it or receive it. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You know, when I got saved, I didn't just get something. I got someone. And that's awesome. That is so tremendous. You know, that's something to get excited about. And that's something to smile about. You know, it doesn't matter what goes on in the world out there. It doesn't matter who's elected. It doesn't matter any of that. I have Jesus Christ. I have salvation. I have something all those voters, a lot of them, don't have. And that's something to get excited about. But oftentimes we just kind of walk around with down in the mouth about everything. I have received Jesus Christ, so therefore I have something spectacular, something phenomenal. So that's the first way we receive things. There's another way, the second way. The Bible talks about receiving the filling of the Spirit. Did you know that? 
Uh, you know, unsaved people can't have this power, this advantage, obviously. The Bible talks about it in John chapter 14, verse 17. It says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. The world can't receive the filling of the Spirit, but we can, because he dwells inside of us. However, the way that we can be filled with the Spirit is by receiving him. By receiving, by taking him by faith. John chapter 7, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, can I just let you in on a little bit of my mind here, just for a second? I used to think that when, when a, a preacher or men would lay their hands on somebody, that somehow, magically... <laughs> the Spirit of God would come through their hands and fill that person. Now, I, this is the way I used to think. But then I discovered this concept, and it changed everything. Why? Well, because it says in John chapter 7, I'm, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8, verse 14, And when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. They took the Holy Ghost. They didn't just somehow miraculously get it. They took it. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples... He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And he said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I can be guaranteed power because of the promise of the Lord. If I take the filling of the Spirit of God, I can have the power of God in my life. Well, the filling of the Spirit obviously is his control over me. My walking in dependence, walking in faith, listening to his voice, obeying him as he speaks to me. And obviously the power of God is there, but it's power for lots of different things. Power for witnessing, power for victory over sin, power to get rid of that bitterness that I have in my heart, power for uh, service for the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things, they're important. I have to have that if I want to be successful as a Christian. But I have to take it. It's there. It's available for me. But I have to receive it by faith. Assuming that I am right with the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to complicate this to you. It just, this helps me a lot. I remember back uh, several years ago, um, this was a particular morning in my house. And um, my kids were very young. <clears throat> and I have to say, it was a bit of a parent fail day. <laughs> the kids were running wild. I know Pastor Van Gelderen can't relate because his kids are all perfect. But, <coughs> but my... Oh, he's smiling. Of course, that's indicative, I think. But anyway, my kids were a little wild that morning. And I could feel the temperature rising. <laughs> you could just, here I was starting to get a little fleshly, I have to admit. Well, I went back to the room and I closed the door in my bedroom. And I said, you know what, Lord, this is not going very well. 
my day is falling apart rather quickly. I don't think it was a Sunday, but usually that happens on a Sunday, doesn't it? But anyway, um, but it was getting pretty bad. And I was not, not patient whatsoever. Well, I confessed my sin to the Lord and I said, God, I need your help. And right now, I am taking your patience. And guess what happened? Calm, peace in my heart. And I went outside, I went out to the room and I restored order, <laughs> as a dad can do. Okay. Well, it was necessary for me to have patience. And you know, in my mind, it just helped me to, to just uh, make it so simple, put it right down at the ground level. Lord, I need patience. I'm taking it and I'm taking it right now. There are some days in church, I preach usually on Sunday evenings at our church. And when I get close to the Christmas time, we have long rehearsals, long choir practices. So oftentimes we'll have an hour and a half long practice right before the church service. So we'll start at, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. I have to back up the time now. So four o'clock or something like that. We uh, actually earlier than that, it'd be like 3.15. So anyway, we're having practice and church starts at six. That's too far. Anyway, you can figure it out. So it's an hour and a half before a six o'clock service. Okay, so it's way back there. And um, so we have an hour and a half practice, and I am just beat. It's intense, you know, you're trying to get everybody ready to go and, and get the songs ready to go. I'm tired, I'm just worn out. And I go to my office, and I'll sit down, and I say, God, I need you. I can't do this. Lord, right now, as far as I know, I'm right with you, but I am taking the filling of the Spirit because I need it. I need it. You know what that is? That's receiving the Holy Spirit of God. And we need that every single day. We need that when we go out and witness to people. We need that when we work with people and counseling. We need that in just everyday life, just walking around, talking to others. Uh, the idea of wisdom and things like that, I'll talk about those in a few minutes. But the point is we need the Holy Spirit of God. We need him and we need him and we need him all the time. The Bible tells us the way to get that is by receiving him. So the third thing here I see that we can receive is rewards in heaven, interestingly enough. God offers them to me or us, but I have to receive them. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 14, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You know, when I get to heaven... God's going to give me rewards. And they're not so that I can, you know, use and walk around heaven, but it's so that I can take them and give them right back to him. Because, you know, rewards in heaven really don't mean a whole lot. Because we're all up there together to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And our focus is not on how big my crown is and how many jewels I have in it. My focus is going to be on Jesus Christ, and I won't care about a crown. <laughs> but you know what? He's going to give it to me, and I can receive it. 
But I do think there's a fourth way here that we see receiving mentioned in the New Testament, and it is this matter of answering prayers. According to this passage, God gives them and I receive them. I wonder how many times that I have asked for something and not received the answer. I'm not trying to complicate this, asking and receiving. I just want us to think, think, think. The concept here is taught, ask, God gives, but I receive it by faith. I take it by faith. Now, if I were to ask someone for something and keep asking them for something and they're giving it to me and I never receive it, uh, isn't that kind of strange? Like if I were to walk up to Judson and say, hey, can I have five dollars? He's a bad example because he doesn't have five bucks. Okay, who, oh, Andrew, okay, Andrew, he's, he's loaded, right? No, he's not. He, <laughs> this is a bad example, okay. So I say, hey, can I have five dollars, Andrew? Can I have five dollars? Sure, okay, can I have five dollars? 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 So I keep asking him for five dollars. What if he actually takes it out of his pocket and hands it to me? And I keep asking him for it. That'd be kind of strange, wouldn't it? We don't think that's what we do with the Lord oftentimes. We just keep asking, we keep asking, we keep asking, but we never receive it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not, again, trying to overcomplicate this, but I think giving and taking are probably simultaneous unless we don't ask in faith. I think that's the point here. So going to this idea of getting yes answers to prayer, how can I receive a yes when I pray? Is there, is there a, a specific formula or a solution or is there something in the Bible that gives us indication that we as believers, when we pray, can receive a yes answer to our prayers? In fact, can I go beyond and say, is there anything in the Bible that gives us an indication that I can receive a yes answer every time I pray for something? And the answer to that is yes. I do believe so. Well, there's three ways, I think, in the Scripture that I see in which I can receive a yes answer. The first one is praying according to God's promises. Praying according to God's promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen unto the glory of God by us. God promises to keep his promises. <laughs> he also promises that it, the answer will be yes. In other words, God will keep it. I don't have to wonder whether or not God's going to be faithful in, in, in keeping a promise for us. So I pray according to his promises, and as long as I'm right with the Lord and all of that, I do believe that God will answer. Okay, now you say, that's just so simple. Well, that's what God says. We complicate the Bible too much sometimes. We really do. We complicate the Christian life so much sometimes. I remember back a couple years ago, there was a lady that came and she said, we would like the the uh, elders of the church, deacons and pastor, to pray over me so I can be healed, anoint you with oil. And I said, okay, that's fine. Talked to, pastor said, okay, that's fine. It wasn't me. He talked to pastor about it. So we got the men together and we prayed for her. And every one of them prayed, Lord, if it's your will, would you heal her? Lord, if it's your will. Now, I'm, I'm okay praying according to the Lord's will. But you know what? This lady was convinced 
about James chapter 5. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. She was convinced of that. She was following the direction. So I prayed. Finally, I was the last one. I said, Lord, now you have said in your word that if we ask, you will do it. So, Lord, that promise, the prayer of faith will heal the sick, is good for this lady right now. And we ask you, based upon that promise, that you will heal her. Guess what? God healed her. I think sometimes we put this, and again, please don't think I'm being harsh here or, or unkind, but we put this little phrase, if it's your will, in there. If it's a promise of God, it is his will. So why do we have to say it? You know why we say it? Unbelief. We want a way out. So we can say, you know what, we prayed, but God decided he didn't want to do it. That's unbelief, friends. It really is. And that's not praying according to a promise that God gives us. What kind of promises? How about revival? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I fulfill the obligation on my part. God will fulfill his. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Does God promise? Yes, he does. Will he do it? Yes, he will. We have to fulfill our side of the bargain. James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. You oftentimes, people will get on their hands and knees, and they'll pray, God, send a revival. Please send a revival. Please send a revival. They'll pray with fervency. They'll pray with a clean heart. God, send a revival. And in their mind, they're thinking, you know what? Please just totally uh, consume this entire church with um, your presence and all of this. Well, you know what? If they're praying that way, God's already sent a revival. <laughs> he sent a revival to that individual. It starts with one person. So you can't discount the fact that God has already sent it. If you pray for revival, revival you, you most likely already experienced it in your own life. So go live in revival, and it will impact other people around you. Now, can we pray for other people to, to experience revival? Yes, we can. That's not my point here. I'm just saying oftentimes we overlook the fact that God's already done a work in our hearts. How about a promise of soul winning? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive, there it is, power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. God's promised he'll be with us if we receive the Holy Spirit of God. That's a promise. You know how many times I have gone out and said, Lord, now please put me in the right place at the right time to talk to the right person. And he does it. I remember one time we were driving out with somebody and I prayed, Lord, please, would you just allow us to talk to one person about you? Just please put us in the right place at the right time to talk to the right person. And we went up to a door, knocked on the door, and the guy came out. And we said, we're from, you know, such and such. And, and we're here to, to, to just let you know about our church and invite you to come. And he said, you know, it's really interesting you guys should come out today. Uh, okay, well, why is that? Well, my wife was just diagnosed with cancer, and I've been thinking an awful lot about death today. Do you think that was an accident? No. See, what that is is receiving the Holy Spirit of God and him using it. Uh, I can tell you the rest of the story. The man ended up getting saved. And it wasn't me that did it. It was the Holy Spirit of God. 
as I received him. How about the matter of wisdom? James chapter 1. Do you ever need wisdom? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. We need wisdom. Before I start a counseling session with anybody, I always ask, ask for wisdom. And that includes my own kids. And sometimes you have to counsel your own children. Did you know that? <laughs> How about the matter of giving? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know the context of that passage is giving? You give, and the Lord takes care of your needs. How about confession? That's a promise of God, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, the answer is yes. It's not a maybe. It's yes every time. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. The answer is yes. And we get to the matter of praying. Praying according to God's promises. I love the story of Elijah. I really do. I, I can just imagine what happened. You know, uh, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, we are introduced to Elijah. And I can just see this happening. I really can't. Here is Ahab sitting on his throne, and he's giving orders, saying, go uh, check on the crops, Okay. You go over here and check on the finances, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this. And in walks a guy. Nobody's ever seen him before. He's really rough looking. He walks in and he says, as the Lord God liveth, it's not going to rain until I say. And he turns around and walks out. That's what the Bible says happened. I believe that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Could you imagine what Ahab was doing? <laughs> uh... Um, do you might know who that was? Anybody ever seen him before? Um, no? No, I haven't. Um, okay. All right, let's get back to work. <laughs> well, everything's fine for a month. And then another month, and then six months go by. You know what Ahab's doing? Can somebody find that guy? <laughs> I don't know where he is. <laughs> And then a year goes by, and a year and a half, two years, two years, two and a half, three years, three and a half years go by. How could Elijah walk in, tell Ahab it's not going to rain until he says again, it's going to rain? <laughs> he got his confidence from a promise. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16 says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless she perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Well, how did Elijah know that he could walk in with confidence and say, it's not going to rain until I say? Well, he got it from Deuteronomy. But did you know that James chapter 5 fills in the blank for us? You know, I love the New Testament. I've often wanted to uh, preach a series of messages called fill in the blank. 
Because oftentimes you have things mentioned in the Old Testament that you don't understand until you get to the New Testament. Well, this is one of those times. You go to James, James chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the, space by the, uh, the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Boy, could you imagine this happening? Here Elijah prays, he prays, he prays. He said, God, this is your promise. This is what you said would happen. Lord, keep your promise. And then God gives him the assurance, and he says, okay, Ahab, it's not going to rain till I say then they get up to Mount Carmel. They have the big showdown up there, and God shows how powerful he is. Well, now Elijah needs to give rain again. So he gets alone with the Lord, with his servant, and he says, go keep checking. And seven times he prays, he prays, he prays. God, give rain, give rain, give rain. And then the servant comes back and says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And what was Elijah's response? Could you imagine this? He sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know how big that is? It's not very big compared to the sky. He says, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah, in confidence, says, there's the sound of abundance of rain. <laughs> he knows it's going to happen. Why? Because he just prayed about it. Based upon a promise that God gave him. And the answer was, yes, he was receiving the answer. So we can be assured that God will give us a yes answer if we pray according to his promises. But secondly, we can be assured of a yes answer if we, we are led by the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, uh, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes the Spirit of God just leads us to pray about something. Remember several years ago, I was going to go to Trinidad on a mission trip. I was concerned. I really wanted to see people saved. That's why I was going. The Lord laid direct, very clearly on my heart to pray for 100 people to get saved. Now, that was, a big, that was a big request. I did not share that burden with anybody but one other person, with an assistant pastor that I had. It was a friend of mine. And he and I began to pray, Lord, give us 100 people. Give us 100 people. We want to see 100 people get saved. We prayed. We prayed for several months. Well, we got there. We saw the Lord began to work, and we saw um, up to the last day, we saw 90 people get saved. Well, we had one more day to go. I said, Lord, got to give us that 100. I believe you wanted me to see 100 people get saved, so we're praying for that 100. Well, the next day, we saw 30 people get saved. 120 people got saved on that whole trip. You know, the Lord led me very clearly about that. You've seen that happen here. I remember a couple years ago, we come in here for the Holiness Conference, Victory Conference, I don't remember which one it was, but um, Holiness Conference, I think it was, and the snow, the blizzard was going to come through. You remember this. And they were talking about how it was just going to dump, I don't know how many, a foot of snow, a couple feet of snow or something like that. They began to pray. They prayed. 
came to convincement that God was going to actually take care of it for them. And I remember seeing the pictures of the radar <laughs> where there was this big giant hole right over top of Menominee Falls. And the weathermen are going, how'd that happen? Well, we know how it happened. They were led by the Spirit of God to pray for it, and God answered the prayer. <laughs> Listen, young people, if God leads you to pray for something, then pray for it. Because the answer will be, yes, yes, yes. The final way here I want you to see we can receive a yes answer is if we ask according to his will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. I just quoted it a moment ago. But it talks about the Spirit making intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. Luke 11, early on in this passage, it talks about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's already decided what's going to happen. But we need to find out what it is. Find out what God's will is. So we need his mind and his heart. There's a lot more to talk about there, but I need to finish up here. I wanted just to just think here for a minute. We've talked about the fact that, yes, we can see yes answers for our prayers. We receive them by faith. God will give us a yes answer. Okay, but what if God says no? What if God clearly says no about something? Can I still receive something? Can I still receive something? Well, there was one character in the Bible where that happened. The Apostle Paul. Remember, he had a thorn in the flesh. And he asked three times, God, please take it away. These were not just, Lord, please take this away. Amen. Now, these were seasons of prayer where Paul got alone with God and begged God to take it away. And God said, no. But what was God's response? My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Apostle Paul, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Did the Apostle Paul still receive something even when the answer was no? The answer was absolutely. Sometimes God says no. But you know what? He doesn't just leave us without an answer. And he doesn't just leave us without something. He always gives us his grace. Maybe there's somebody who you know who is sick, and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed. God says no. Well, you know what? God's going to give you the grace to make it through that situation. I've seen that happen in my own life many, many, many times. The point is it's up to us to receive it. And I think oftentimes people get mad at God. They get bitter and angry at something that God said no about because they don't receive his grace.
several years ago, my wife and I, about 10 years ago now, we were expecting our fourth child. And uh, the night before baby was to be born, my wife felt him moving in her stomach. We were excited. Uh, it was a crazy time because we were doing BB guests that week and everything, but it just, it just happened at, right then. So anyway, that, that night before my wife was excited, we were packing and everything, getting ready to go. The next morning we went in for the baby, for the induction, and we found out that in the middle of the night the baby had died. Let me tell you, that was really hard. That was really hard. And we prayed, God, please let us find a heartbeat. Lord, please, please don't let our baby die. The doctor came in, she looked, she said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. My wife, she looked at me and she said, you know what? I don't know what God's doing, but I trust him. <laughs> we received God's grace at that moment. And I can't describe it to you any other way. The peace that we received, that we had, it was amazing. Because God gave us something and we received it. You know, God wants to do that again and again and again. He wants to do that for all of us. Are you asking? First of all, you need to ask. But then you need to receive. By faith, just believe that God is going to do what you have asked him to do. If you're praying according to his will, if you're praying because you're led by the Spirit, and if you're praying according to his promises, the answer will be yes. But pray until it happens. And receive those answers to prayer even today. Lord, help us. And we would take these important, feeble truths that I've attempted to get across this morning, that you'd use them in our hearts and lives. Lord, I do pray that you would raise up a group of young men and women who pray in faith, believing that you will do exactly as you've said you would. And Lord, that they would see incredible answers to prayer, even today, I pray in Jesus' name.